The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When I found out I was going to be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Matt Sarah is not here today. I have Luis J. Gomez, who is Michael Bisping's co-host on The Countdown. But we also have Felice Herrig on the phone, and uh, Justin Gaethje calls in. So it's a really good show, and uh, Felice Herrig has quite a bit to say. Chaws are dropped throughout this arena. Nobody is sitting down. Chasing that finish. Elbows raining down. Oh! On the button. Are you kidding me? Oh, he hurt him again. He's out. UFC and digital media present UFC Unfiltered. And now, your hosts, Jim Norton and Matt Sarah. Well, Jim Norton's here. Matt Sarah's been fired, so we move forward. <laughs> no, Matt's having a... Uh, his, one of his daughters has an event today or something, so we knew Matt wouldn't be here today because... Um, he has to do something with family related. He's probably uh, having a good time. He's in Jersey somewhere. So he'll be back next week. Um, just, you know, I don't have, for me, it's gigs. I'll go away for a gig. Matt will go away occasionally to do something with uh, Dana or looking for a fight or with one of his, uh, he's got three daughters. So there's a lot of events. Yeah, he's a good dad. Yeah, I guess you got to do that stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, and my, my pal is ho- co-hosting today, uh, uh, Louis J. Gomez. What's up, y'all? Yeah, who I, I like your show a lot on SiriusXM with Bisping, uh, Countdown. And uh, what's the podcast you do with him? Yeah, we just started the podcast version called Believe You Me. Okay. Which is one of his catchphrases that nobody fucking knows what it means. Yeah, I'll be honest. It's not one I've known him for. Yeah, he always says that. He's like, he's like, he's like, believe you me, mate. And it's just like, apparently it's a very common British phrase, you know? Well, do you know what Ozzy Osbourne always says? In actual fact. He always in actual fact. In actual like, fact. I've never noticed Bisping saying that, but sometimes you'll notice a guy you like saying something. Yeah. You're like, that's like a little thing. So I know I didn't know Bisping said that. Would that would be Ozzy's podcast, in actual yeah, fact. Yeah, in actual fact, dot, yeah. dot, dot. But uh, I love Bisping. We, were, we talked about him briefly before. Um, I, I just find him to be an entertaining man. He's yeah, an he's entertaining guy. Super entertaining. Also, uh, loves to fucking yap. Really likes to talk. Yeah. Loves that. He has an opinion. He wants to get it out. He doesn't need to do a podcast or a radio right. show. We don't make that much money off it. He just legitimately wants some sort of outlet to do it. Um, so it's just like you and I, like when, you know, when you, anybody who starts doing something like podcasting, nobody's doing it. Cause like, oh, there's this big fucking right. you know, paycheck at the end of it. You're right. doing it cause you want to kind of have an outlet to communicate with fans, get your opinions out. And he's legitimately doing it for that reason. And I think that's why the podcast has been so successful. Cause a lot of guys get into it. They go, oh, podcasting, can you make money? And I know firsthand because I work with guys that try to start podcasts for that reason and they never work out. Yeah, you got to be careful. Like, because what happens is guys like Adam Carolla 
or Rogan is a you know a terrible mark to shoot for because he's doing you know eight hundred thousand or a million or five million dollars. So you start oh, like to think like, wow, more, I want to make that like fifteen million. I oh, heard. fifteen million, like something episode. crazy per episode, something like bananas. So you think that and you're like, wow, but then you're like, oh, I'm not hitting those numbers, forgetting that Rogan was already famous. He has UFC, like people know Rogan from a lot, of, a, a, a whole career of shit, news, right. radio, Fear Factor. You know, so Joe had a tremendous name going in. Uh, and he just he's just good at what he does. Well, it's like anything, dude. If you get into anything for the money, you know, it's such a like finance or banking or some stupid shit where it's you know based around money. But anything from the in, on the arts, you know, yeah. from music to comedy, radio, podcasting, if you're doing it for the money, you're not going to end up being good at it. Seriously, I've never met a single comic on their first day like, dude, I'm getting into this, dude. I'm going to make a fucking million dollars, and they end up being funny. Yeah. Those people always stink. Although they you do know? make the money, though, because they're usually good-looking, and they get the big deals, and yeah. the rest of the comedians, we just sit around and hate their guts. I am just wrong about everything <laughs> I just said. <laughs> I'm the same, though. I, I hate them because they're like, yeah, this guy's only in. He's, he was a sitcom actor, and now he's doing stand-up, but they always wind up. Uh... Yeah. So uh, big news, I guess. Um, I guess this came out yesterday, is that uh, Megan Anderson is out of the, uh, the featherweight title fight against Chris Cyborg, uh, which Jermaine Durandamay originally uh, opted out of, where they right. stripped her because she did not want to fight Cyborg. Nobody wants to fight Cyborg. I don't blame them. Uh, she's saying due to personal I I issues, Invicta uh, featherweight champion Megan Anderson has withdrawn, and um, uh, Tanya Evinger has stepped in to replace Anderson. She was uh, the Invicta bantamweight champion, but look, you know, I don't, she's, uh, you're going to go up 10 pounds, and I think she's older than Cyborg. Again, not that you can't beat her if you're older, but, you know, she's a rare mm. case. So you're going to go up 10 pounds, go up in weight to fight somebody like Cyborg. That's going to be a very tough fight. Yeah, nobody's beating Cyborg. They created the division for her. Jermaine Durandame fucking stinks. I, I don't know what you want me to say. You know, I, was just I don't like that she wouldn't fight her either. Um, I don't know what the reason was, but you know, you are the champion. It was a weird decision over Holly Holm. Uh, there was two after the bell shots, and it's like, come on. And now you're not going to fight the first person they put in front of you who the division was created for. Well, she said with? it was because she, she, she's a known steroid abuser and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I got to be honest with you. You have that title. You know they created that division for Cyborg. You cannot just say, I'm not fighting that person, sure. right? People make the comparison to Bisping, and we talked about it on the show. Bisping didn't refuse to fight Romero. He didn't refuse to fight the number one contender. They set up a huge multi-million dollar fight with him against George St. Pierre, a sure. living legend of the sport, and he opted to take that fight. He was defending his title. Jermaine said, I'm not going to fight this chick. I'm not going to fight her, period. I will not fight that person. And if you're the UFC and you're like, holy, the most marketable female fighter in the world is waiting for that title shot, yeah. sorry, beat it. And they stripped her like it's that. It's rare they strip you like that, too. I mean, you look at Demetrius didn't want to fight TJ. And you can say different circumstances, but they understand the value of him. Uh, or the value of, and look so the fight is uh, has the fight date been moved or, or they don't have nope, a date for it's it? UFC 214 July 29th so it's, that remains the co-main event what's the jo name for that one Jones and Cormier oh Jones Cormier oh my god that's the co-main the cyborg yeah I didn't know that oh yeah, wow just, it, they might as well just they, it's almost wow. like you know when they bring in like like golden retrievers to help train pit bulls to fight yeah and this poor like family dog they just put it into a cage and just watch it be torn to shreds by these vicious vicious pit bulls that's what we're about to watch happen to this Tanya Avenger chick Although Tanya Avenger is very tough she I, is very I, tough Cyborg's in my opinion, the best night division, obviously. But who knows? It could, it could, it could go thirty seconds, or you know, this other one. Like, if you're too anxious to get in there, and Cyborg may be so anxious to fight for this, 
Uh, and the other girl might just be able to fend her off for a little while, and she get who knows. I mean, you you, you want to make it a good fight, Jim. Right? I'm looking at your face. You don't even believe what of you're saying. Of course, right I don't. Now. <laughs> but but you never. A lot of times when you expect somebody, it, it's the person that you don't see kicking your ass that like you, you know you just get carried away. Like yeah. I'm gonna run right through her, and you don't. Right. Um. You know, it's like with uh. You know, no one expected <laughs> Holly. Although uh, my friend Jeff, uh, who trained at Jackson Wink, did, but no one expected Holly to be to stop Rhonda. You know, a lot of times, you know, you just don't expect it. I did, right. but I just what I always do is I always bet against the favorite every time. So then one day when they finally lose, I look like I'm a genius. Yeah, I mean that's a good strategy financially too, because if it's you know again like Connor Mayweather odds, why not? I'm gonna bet a thousand on Connor. Are you gonna bet a Connor? Oh, you stupid! I, I don't. Can even I just care. take your thousand dollars? I'll be happy to, because again, I I have to do it because the odds will be so. They're not that good. The odds aren't as good as you want them to be. If they were like crazy, what like, are they? It's something like he. I think Connor's like a uh, like a minus five hundred. Yeah, like it's minus six hundred. A lot of people put small bets on him. That's why it opened at like minus you know eleven, minus twelve, uh, even more. I think it was like a, I think it was like crazy, like minus fifteen so or I something. Should have yeah. opened. I should have done it then. Yeah, but does it change? I don't know how betting works now. I just if you bet when it opens at fifteen, do you get to keep those odds? Yes, you stay with wow. those odds. Yeah, I probably should have done that. I, didn't know. I don't gamble. Yeah. I don't know. It'll go back though because people, as it gets close to the fight, I think we'll start putting money on. I think, I think more and more people are going to keep on putting money on uh, Connor. I think I because think people the are shot. buying the fucking hype, and it's a big payout. Like you put, everyone's going. I'll do. Everyone's saying is what you're saying. I'll put a hundred bucks on Connor. Sure. Why not? What's the worst that could happen? I lose a hundred bucks. I win five hundred bucks. Right? Yeah. I, I I do think that Mayweather's going to win the fight, but it's not that. It, it's just literally he's he's a great defensive fighter, and he is what he is, and he can also knock you out. I mean, he's Floyd Mayweather. Right. But the, the only reason I think Connor has a shot. Is because I, I never like Conor McGregor. I never root for him. He beats up people I like. Yeah. But every time people are like, this guy has no shot, he kicks the shit out of the person. And there's something about them saying, this guy has no shot. He does have an it factor. He absolutely. There's, like a, there's a thing like lightning in a bottle, very few athletes, Michael Jordan-esque. There's something about him. However... I did watch Nate Diaz punch him in the face twice, drop him, choke him out. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't sure. like it wasn't like Nate just caught him in some crazy submission. He got yeah. caught. Conor went in there, gassed, Got punched in the face, fell down, and Nate choked him out. It's it was he just got beat in a fight, and he got beat by a dude who is probably one tenth of the boxer that Money Mayweather is. I think Mayweather is going to be able to toy with him the same way that Randy Couture toyed with James Tony. I think it's he's going to be, you know, probably stopped inside of four or five rounds. I don't think Mayweather is going to go to a decision with this guy. I think it'd be embarrassing for Mayweather if he did go to a decision. Yeah. I, I was the same way. I was going through, there's something about, there's an it factor, you know, there's a puncher's chance, something. And then I'm sort of talking to people who really know boxing. And I don't know shit about fucking like technique sure. and boxing and the real side of it. And the look on their face, like what they, they you, you suggest McGregor winning and they can't help but laugh in your face. Like a real, like, like a disgusting laugh. Like you are a child. The same way, like my four-year-old will come up to me and be like, Dada, I saw the sun last night. It's the brightest star in the sky. And you're like, oh, that's very cute. Yeah. Like you're a cute little kid. That's the type of reaction that I got. And that's the, exactly that reaction is why I want to bet on Connor. Yeah. Because it's that reaction. If people were like, look, Mayweather, it's the cockiness of, and you know Mayweather's feeling that. And look, do I think he's going to win? Yes. But if McGregor, first of all, I don't think he has fought as many southpaws. And if McGregor lands that left once and hurts him, he can win. How many southpaws he fought? To? That's out there. He's got a, he's I, got fifty fucking fights. He's fought some southpaws. Not only has he fought he southpaws, has, but they say he, he avoids them. Mm, he, he, these guys, these guys punch nonstop. This is what they do nonstop. Absolutely. They train themselves to just punch, 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 punch. There's no way Connor's catching up in this short of time. I know that Connor strikes. I know that he's a he's a, a great fighter, but it's just. 
absolutely impossible. And I have no basis to argue the other side with. Like, no. I, I know that. All that. And I agree with it. But I just think that everyone is saying he has no shot. And again, there's no reason for it. It's just I still think that he has a shot. Could he get knocked out in the first round? Of course he could. Are you going? Uh, nah. I, I, I'm not interested enough. It w- if it was Connor Khabib or, or fucking Khabib Ferguson or yeah. Connor Ferguson, I would pay for my own airfare to go see those fights. Yeah. This is fun to watch. But I'll just I'll, I'll pay per view. I'll buy just for like it. Just the, the historic moment, right? It was almost the, the same reason why I wanted to be at the garden. I was at the garden. That was worth it. I didn't give a shit really because I'll go to Jersey to watch a fight. I'll go to Vegas. I'd rather take the trip to Vegas. Sure. Why would I, I do? Is that it's not really an event for me to jump on the the two train? Sure. The garden was fun though, just because it was the first. It's cool. And the and the card was fucking tremendous. Incredible. The tremendous. energy was incredible. It felt very special, and you felt like you were part of history. It was like you know when Muhammad Ali yeah. fought fucking um you know in Africa the oh George Foreman's yeah. there yeah yeah like there was like the, if you were there if you had the opportunity to be there you go like shit dude that'd be pretty incredible that's what UFC the Garden kind of felt like that's what Mayweather versus McGregor feels like sure. if I got a ticket if I got a free ticket I'd fly myself out people are saying well what are they doing it for. I think it's it's almost like it is a combat sport and it's fun. Like you know what? Sometimes you're watching. It's a sporting event. UFC, NFL, Major League Baseball. No one is curing cancer. It's yeah. entertainment. They're yeah, guys step who are back. Great. It's like what. Dude, why would they make a movie about King Kong, man? There ain't no fucking monkeys yeah. climbing a, a building. Yes. Like, yeah, it's fun to watch, fuckface. I don't know. And they're both great athletes. They're both at the top. We've already watched it from the other angle. Yeah. We've already seen the UFC guy kick the shit. So if if the if what who is arguably the the top of the UFC ladder right now loses to Mayweather, they loses to him. I can I can yeah. literally come to Randy Couture beating up James <laughs> Tony. That was uh, I can come to that. Ten out of ten times, it never gets old. It never, I'm well, never Couture was older to too. It. He was older no. than Tony, so there wasn't even that excuse. I made fifty bucks off my friend right before the fight started. He goes, "I'll bet you fifty bucks that." Tony oh, that was such a beautiful okay. time. I'll take it. That's yes. right before MMA really right. exploded. Like right before it got really popular, where it was on at every bar, where people were still going like, "Oh, dude, there's no way this guy's gonna fucking take his head yeah. off." Randy Couture's never been punched as hard as James Tony punches. Yeah. Incredible. And we yeah. were talking, I think, on Monday, or, or it was either there, or I was talking on the radio show about. Guys, boxers that would have had a chance against a UFC guy shooting for a take. Maybe a guy like Tyson, because if he hit you once, you're done. It would have to be a guy who has immediate one-punch knockout power, who uh, kind of low to the ground, throws uppercuts. Yeah, more physical than... A a guy like that, like a foreman, would never be able to catch you coming in for a takedown. Never, because he's fucking... he's But Tyson was low. I don't know. You know, to be honest with you... He'd probably still lose We watched it happen, right? You know, you you look at Hoist Gracie and what he did in the first few UFCs. We watched it happen. Now, I know this wasn't the specialist in Mike Tyson, who's this crazy knockout artist, but there was such a huge differentiation between how Hoist was destroying these guys and how effective Brazilian jiu-jitsu was sure. that I don't give a shit how good of you were at punching. If you were not expecting Hoist to do that, you remember it. First UFC, the announcers had no fucking clue. I remember there was a moment where, I forget which fight it was, but Hoist had choked somebody out. I think it was the big, tall, uh, lanky white guy. And the announcer was like, I guess he just tapped. I have no idea what just happened. Maybe he hurt himself. Maybe he pulled something. But they had no idea that he had choked him with like a, you know, a gi choke or whatever it was. Um, So it was like, it was like absolute craziness back then. Mike Tyson in his in his prime versus Hoist Gracie in his prime back then. Hoist Gracie would have tapped about 10 out of 10 times. If he gets a hold of him. He's going to get a hold of him. There's one time. I, I disagree because I think there's one time as fast as he was, Tyson could land one punch on him coming in. Right. I don't think it's crazy to think <laughs> he just that, fucking knocks off his dumb Brazilian head. But literally one punch while he's coming in and he's yeah. out. Right. But you need a guy who's who again and Tyson threw amazing uppercuts. He came low, so a guy shooting for takedowns is a bit more danger. But again, I still think the UFC guy that, wins the every history time. of it is such an incredible thing. Like you know, they they sh- how they haven't made a movie about it yet. 
what like what an amazing thing what they were chanting even like they you know they made the UFC as kind of an advertisement for Gracie Jiu Jitsu right and they were they were so confident in their system they were like oh yeah yeah we'll go and we'll just fucking bring in everybody and they were doing this in Brazil they were inviting people into their gyms for years yeah. the Gracie challenge the million dollar challenge the confidence that they had in their system that's the only reason why I say I don't think that they would have that Mike Tyson could have caught it because they were the entire business model was based off of we're going to break down any fighting style no matter how good you are you sure. can be a black belt in fucking taekwondo you can be a boxer you can be a sumo wrestler remember when Hoist Gracie tapped out Akabono that 500 pound fucking sumo wrestler in Japan I mean it was impossible literally this guy's just on top of Hoist the whole time Hoist is flattened you're like this guy's gonna like smother him and then eventually he just works it he just yeah. keeps on working keeps on working pretty fucking incredible yeah it is, um, and, and in most chances, most times, I say the boxer will always lose that fight. I mean, really, always. But uh, you know, you it, you have to be able to catch somebody once in a while. Everybody, because how many times have we watched even UFC fighters that are are known for uh, that are known for uh, fucking grappling, and uh, they get caught coming in? I mean, this fighters they get caught coming in all the time. They're, they're shooting for a takedown, they get caught, or they're fucking. They they try to stand up for a second. Well, you know what it is though? Those guys who you know, and I guess it's all stupid hypothetical stuff, right? It's fun though. But it's like, yeah, it is. But it's like. Those guys are expecting it. Like you're, if you're talking about like blind Mike Tyson, like Mike Tyson, there's like we're bringing in the best boxer. Oh no, I'm not saying not expect. He'd have to know that this is the guy he was fighting. We're and saying it, Mike Tyson training MMA. Or no, just Mike Tyson knowing this guy is going to try to take you to the ground. Yeah. So you're gonna have to fucking punch the side of his face as he's coming. But in. let me ask you a question. You don't think that there was like, didn't James Tony versus? Randy Couture sort of prove it. Did it sort of prove it? It's like we saw that matchup, right? It's an old Randy Couture versus an older James Tony, right? <laughs> You know, it's like, is there that much of a differentiation between Mike Tyson's skill level and Hoist Gracie's skill level? Does it close the gap that much? I don't think so. I think the speed and, yeah, I think Tony was not a good representative. He's a tough guy, but I don't, I don't, and he had talked a lot of shit about MMA. Uh, oh, we got uh, Felice Herrig on the uh, phone. Hello, Felice. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very well. Congratulations um, on, on, your, uh, on your fight. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it was amazing. What was your relationship like with uh, Justine Kish before that fight? Um, I mean, it wasn't like we weren't like fast friends, but I, you know, she was on the same team as me on the Ultimate Fighter, and you know, we got along great. We, you know, we hung out, we talked. Like she was, she's a very, very sweet girl. Um, I, I always liked Justine. I always got along with her, and I. Have but to... we didn't like talk outside of out outside. Like, you know, we don't talk outside of you know fighting or... just, just genuine pleasantries you kind of knew each other yeah yeah basically okay and <laughs> I, I have to ask you this uh, I, I i'm sure this has happened but i've never seen it they had to run your mouthpiece in how did that get by uh the how did you get into the ring like that first of all the octagon how, how did you get in with the no mouthpiece um actually in the beginning of um as soon as i got into my locker room that day um I took, the first thing I did was I took my mouthpiece out of my bag and I put it in the bucket. I think my coach, when he put um, the ice bags in, he took my mouthpiece out because it was on, you know, the bottom. And he must have not put it in after he put the the um, ice bags back in. Um, so it just, you know, you're 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 a fight you're you're a fighter. You're getting ready to fight. You're warming up. You're doing all this thing. You know, this it's just sm something small and you just. You forget, you know. You don't. You don't think of it. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was kind of funny that, that it got it got by the uh, it got by the uh, fucking when they when they check you when you're walking in and, and nobody noticed that and then you didn't notice it and he had to go. Oh wait a minute, you need this to fight. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, no, we did notice it when um, once, um, you know, I was getting the Vaseline and stuff put on me and he was like, mouthpiece. Oh, and then my okay. was in the bucket and he's like, where's the mouthpiece? I'm like, I put it in the bucket. So my, my coach, Jeff Curran, had to run all the way back to the locker room and go get my mouth. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that, that, that they caught it when they were putting Vaseline on your face. That's, I thought it got by, th- by that guy. Oh, no, 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 no. That's yeah, why I was no. like, well, how the fuck did that happen? Okay, that makes more sense. But wait, you didn't know you you still didn't notice the mouthpiece wasn't in when you got to the guy that was checking the Vaseline though. A lot of times I wait till um, I don't walk out with my mouthpiece. Oh, okay, I let my coach put it in after I get um, backed up and everything. I was like, how much? How in your head are you that you don't notice that you're not wearing a mouthpiece? <laughs> it's like this girl is in the zone right now. No, I was trying to not freak out too because I was like, where's my mouthpiece? Like. Could you imagine not being able to fight because they can't find your mouthpiece? Uh, <laughs> like, getting there, doing all that work, and then being like, oh, well, uh, we can't find your mouthpiece. When I know that I, I put it in the bucket. so Because you see this happen a lot, too, where somebody's mouthpiece will get knocked out during a fight. And then, you know, sometimes the ref will call for a break of the action and get the mouthpiece. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes they'll keep on going. Has that ever happened to you? And in your head, are you going like, shit, my teeth are about to get knocked the fuck out? Is that something that's in your head? Or are you so in the moment and adrenaline has kicked in so much that you don't even really notice something like that? Um, I think that's why uh, you you invest in a good mouthpiece. You know, you go to the dentist and you get one that's custom-made and form-fitted to your mouth, so it's not going to come out. Um, so, no, it's never happened to me in a fight, but because of that, the reason that I have a nice mouthpiece. Um, but I, I would think about it. I, I definitely like my teeth. Um, <laughs> it would, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't make me any prettier to be any toothless, to be toothless. So I've already had my nose broken and, you know, I, I would like to keep my face intact as much as I possibly can for a while, for as long as I can. And uh, after the win, your, your, uh, your press conference, you were talking about not getting the right promotional push uh, from the UFC. Um, wh- why do you why do you think that, or what what uh, has indicated that to you? Oh uh, well, there's been tons of indications. I can really just break it down into you know a timeline. Um, I I noticed that, you know I took time off of from fighting for like a year because I really um, I had a lot of medical issues and I had a I had a I had to get back to my health, you know, okay. fighting for 15 years has taken a toll on me. And, sure. you know, um, I completely disappeared from the UFC's mind. You know, I ran on American Ninja Warrior, didn't get, you know, they, they didn't, you know, you see them reposting all this stuff. And then I knew because, you know, I followed, you know, UFC on Instagram. I'm like, why are they reposting this? I'm like, I just ran American Ninja Warrior. They can't even repost it. They can't even get behind me. Um, they can't even show me love. Um, I fought Kylan Curran, and I think because I had a, a bad performance prior, which is why I, you know, I, I, I sought medical help and found you out had a, that a bad what prior? I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. Fight, fight. Oh, sorry, okay. So, yeah, there was a lot going on with me medically. And um, so I come back and I fight Kylan Curran, and all the promotional stuff is, you know, of Kylan being, you know, like making it almost in the media light, you know, pushing her, making it look like, she's so good and she's so talented and I'm going to, I'm going to lose. And then I also found out that Kylan Curran and I like Kylan. So the, none of, none of what I say is against the fighter. Sure. Um, Kylan was one and two in the UFC, got finished twice, really didn't do anything prior to the UFC to 
earn a spot in the UFC, she gets a pay bump. I text Dana White directly. I'm like, why is Kylan Curran getting paid this double my money? Wow. I'm like, I've been a veteran in the sport for years. I was on the ultimate fighter. I did this. I did that. And I was like, if she gets paid that, I I deserve at least that. And he's like, oh, I didn't make that. And I'm, I'm like, okay. So I got paid. Um, and then I went out and I just annihilated Kylan in under two minutes. So she got paid the same amount of money as I did to beat. I beat her and she got paid the same amount of money as me. Because of the, um, the bonus. Except, yeah, except I got the bonus, which was great. <laughs> so without the bonus, not. So then, um, and then I go and I fight Grasso, and I think, okay, you know, maybe it was just, maybe I'm just not getting any push from the UFC, any love, because I took time off. And um, I come back and I fight Alexa Grasso, and it's the co-main event, so I think I'm at least going to get some kind of, you know, PR push. Asked to do some, you know, some media, and it's and I, and I shy away from media only when it takes away my focus from the fight, but. Right. You know, they're flying Alexa Grasso. They're, they're promoting her as this next big thing. She comes in. She she beats an unranked girl, gets ranked. So how does that happen? Um, she's, you know, they're flying her out to all these, you know, these basketball games, like this, all the mainstream stuff. They're, like, promoting her like she's this it girl. Meanwhile, I did zilch. Like, they asked me for, for nothing. And I told them, I'm like, you know, I live in Chicago. You know, the Cubs just won the World Series. I would love to go to games, you know, and, and be, you know, I, I would love to be put out there and, you know, in front of fans. There's a reason that I've been, I've had the same sponsors for seven, eight years, even though they can't even wear, I can't even wear their logo in my fights anymore. I, I, I do very well with my sponsors and with the fans. Um, so then, you know, I beat Alexa Grasso. Again, I come in as the heavy underdog. Nobody gives me a chance to win, you know. Um, I beat her, and I think at least things will turn around. You know, I reach out, you know, to Dana, to the PR team. I tell them I want to do stuff. Nothing. Then I fight uh, Justin Kitch, who's, you know, they don't they don't give put me in a position to to uh, you know climb the ranks. Yet they give me one of the toughest girls in the strawweight division. I know she's not ranked. But everybody who knows the sport knows Justine Kitch is no joke. Yeah. They put, like, they she put was undefeated, right too. Before, yeah, another undefeated girl. They put us right before the co-main event, and they promoted the fight zero. Not at all. And I'm like, oh, is it because it's not a hot girl fight? Yet it was, you know, people who knew, they're like, oh, they're like, oh this is going to be a great fight. But nothing. We got... No promotional at all. Oh, and the one last thing is, um, before I fought Alexa Brasso, this is probably the biggest thing. I was offered to fight Michelle Watterson, and I accepted the fight. And I've wanted to fight her since I was on Fight Girls um, 10 years ago. The reality Muay Thai show was on the Oxygen Channel. And I've tried to fight her, and she's turned down the fight many times. And... Finally, they said, okay, well, she said yes, but she just got to get cleared by her doctor because she broke her hand a while ago. She just got to get cleared. I sit around and I wait for two weeks without an answer, you know, without confirmation that she was cleared. Then I see in the news, Paige Van Zant fighting Michelle Watterson. Oh. So they took the fight away from me. And then my, they told my manager that it was because it was a more marketable fight. 
So they, they gave the fight and they completely took it away from me. Well, you know, the, the, speaking of the, of the rankings, uh, isn't that more of a media gripe than with the actual UFC? I'm not saying you're wrong about the other stuff. I'm just saying about that. You know, I don't really know who's in charge of what. Um, as far yes, as the I media. Know, the UFC, and that's fine, you know. But, I mean, it's just, these are just, they're, it's, it's, it, I would understand if that was my only gripe. Sure, sure. You know, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, I'm wrong. But just completely take that off the table. There's still all the other stuff. Sure. Now, I mean, you know, it, it, I feel like we're at a different time right now with the UFC. I feel like w- just in the past six months to a year, it's the first time that fighters are kind of being vocal. I don't want to say against the UFC, but almost, uh, you know, they're just being vocal about any mistreatments. Just way quicker to kind of voice their their grievances. that they're not happy about, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it, wh- why do you think that is right now? Because I feel like a year ago, no, everyone was like, all right, if they have a problem, it was always when the microphones were off. They would and, talk about it, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think because, you know, you get to a point where, like, the fighters are standing up, they're speaking out, you know, it's we're kind of, like, rallying together as a team because, and because nothing's changing. And because, you know, when you go to the higher-ups, and, and you have these gripes, and they tell you there's nothing they can do about it. And I, I think it's just the frustration. And I think it's, you know, it's it's not even just, you know, the whole, the whole like, taking the sponsors. Like, I think the sport used to be about the fighters. If you look at any other sports teams, if you look at, you know, like, like these football players, you know, the baseball players, like, most of the money is, it goes towards the athletes. You know, a lot of it is about the athletes. I don't know. And, I think a lot of players would just they they are extremely high paid, but the owners do pretty well in those in those sports. It's it's I know what you're saying though. Um you, you think that it's because the fighters are just getting tired of something. Yeah, I think it's just almost like, you know, enough's enough because it just keeps compiling and nothing's getting better. So so people are like, "Well, why, you know, if, if I sit here and I don't say anything, things don't get better." So sometimes it's like the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I think fighters are just like Hey, maybe things will change if, if enough people, you know, say it like it is. I, I also think, too, that you, you kind of said the squeaky wheel, and you're right for other reasons, too, because the, the people that become marketable, quote-unquote, or, or the fans want to see are guys or, or women that are vocal. Like, if you're vocal, if you have a, a public beef with somebody, like even Ally Quinta going after Dana... It's like Dana was still fighting. Like, you know what I mean? There's plenty of guys who have gone after Dana publicly or been pissed at him, and he's had big public fights with, but he's not stupid. He's a businessman. You know, there's a lot of guys they give a shot to who... Well, I want to... I just kind of want to reiterate that I... I was very... You know, I'm very... I'm a very emotional person, so my intentions... It, it blew up. I didn't really realize what I said was going to go viral. I was just speaking freely because I'm a very open and honest person, and, you know, I was asked if, where I thought this put me, and and... That's where my frustration came is because I I feel like I'm doing everything right and and there's no like if there was a set you know rule you know a set of rules where you're like if you do this then this is what happens next and then this is what happens next there's nothing like that so I I don't really know where it puts me I know I'm busting my ass I'm getting better and better every day I'm putting on better and better performances I'm I'm taking out undefeated girls and I don't I don't know what else I can do to get just some kind of love from the UFC, you know, it's, it's not even like I'm, I'm not, I just, and I, and I, I'm not even speaking for just myself. It's for all the fighters, you know, a lot of fighters feel mistreated and, um, and I'm not pointing the, I'm not like 
USC, oh my gosh, they're horrible. They suck. You know, maybe with the transition of, you know, getting new owners and, you know, having completely new people, you know, on board, like maybe like the ball is just dropped somewhere, you know, maybe they're just in this transitional phase, you know, I'm, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Um, but yeah, of course I'm frustrated a little bit. <laughs> you also said, uh, just to quote one thing here, you said, uh, I've seen how hard I've worked to get here and it just doesn't matter because I just feel I'm not pretty enough and I'm not getting any younger. I'm surprised you feel that way. I mean, cause anyone who's seen your, uh, your Instagram, a uh, home run on those photos. Yeah, I don't I mean, think anybody agrees with that you're not pretty enough. I don't, I don't think your physical appearance is any kind of an issue whatsoever. I mean, at least from the outside, I can't see that as being even a, a minor issue for you. Well, I think it's hard when you see people like like a Sage Northcutt who, you know... He's you like, are way better looking than Sage Northcutt. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, I mean, I've never felt... I, you know, I've never been like a, an insecure person. I've been confident, but... I've never felt more unbeautiful in my life. And be, and I, I feel like I see where all the promotion is going. And I've, I've never been, you know, people have, have argued like, oh, well, you've used, you know, your sexuality for years. And I'm like, I'm not talking about the marketing. I'm talking about you can't market somebody solely on, on their looks and disregard sure. the fact that they're losing and other people are winning. And they might not be as, you know, great looking or this and that, but this is a sport and, you know, People who put on great fights and great performances and are winning should be rewarded. It shouldn't be, hey, let me reward you for doing absolutely nothing. Well, don't you also think, though, like, you, you know, part, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you this because you say you don't know if you're, you're, uh, you're pretty enough or any of that. John, John uh, Anik had mentioned to you something about your confidence. D- does this type of stuff, or when you feel you're not getting a, a promotional thing, does it kind of tap into a feeling you already have that's like, oof, because you, you, you talked about how your confidence is getting better in the post-fight. And uh, I was surprised you weren't more confident. Like, I'm surprised that that's a thing for you as well. So is this something that kind of tapped into something you already felt? Oh, yeah. Well, my confidence as a fighter is growing. And that's what I'm saying. But I, my confidence as a person is actually going down because I feel like I'm not good enough for the, U, you know, for the UFC. Is that um, something I that... Because I talk to, you know, and I host a show with Mike Bisping, um, and I almost feel like when I talk to athletes, that's almost something that the best of the best, just in general, I, I mean, are you ever going to feel as if you're good enough? Are you even, even him where he got the championship, it well, now it becomes, well, I have to defend that title. I have to sure. beat the number one contender or everyone's going to say that I'm avoiding you over Romero. Do you ever feel as if there's going to be a time where you, you know, you kind of hit that thing where you go like, oh shit, I've arrived. Or maybe just as an athlete, somebody who's gotten to the UFC, who's fought at the highest level, maybe that's just inherently built in you that you're never going to feel as if you're good enough. Oh, absolutely. I'm a human being and I'll admit firsthand that I'm, I'm always trying to strive to be better and I'm always trying to top myself. So I'm never going to be good enough, you know, for myself. But I also, you know, it's a little backwards that I feel like I've worked so hard to get to this point, and now I feel like I have to work even hard. I mean, of course you have to work even harder, but I'm trying to even just get a little bit of, of recognition, and I'm like, I, I don't know what I, I, I don't know what I have to do. Um, I'm very, I'm, I'm more and more confident in my skills like than ever before, and. Um, but, you know, the other stuff is I am getting older. I've been a ve- I'm a veteran in the sport. I've been in it for 15 years. That was my 50th pro fight yesterday, you know, with kickboxing and boxing and MMA. And 
you know, um, I, I see how I'm treated differently now as I'm older as opposed to when I was younger and in the sport. Um, so it's, you know, it's a tough pill to swallow, I sure. guess. Well, let me ask you, what do you, what's the plan moving forward then? Because it's obviously not lay down and quit. You're three in a row now. You're in a division that, you know, 115, two, two or three wins at that, in that division, you could be right there. I, from, from a fan's perspective, from an outside perspective, Felice, I look at you and I go, oh, shit, you're like two fights away from like a title shot, right? Just kind of looking at what it is, because I do look at you as being extremely marketable, not to be a, you know, a male pig, but you are a very beautiful girl. I don't think anybody in the world would say you're not one of the the best looking girls on the roster. And I, I, you know, that's, I'm not just saying it here. I've said that before. So in my mind, I'm going like, what is Felice talking about? She's probably one of the most marketable girls at 115. And I almost feel like you put two or three more performances like that. It's going to speak for itself. Well, and that's, you know, they can't deny you if you're winning. But the thing is, you know, when I'm getting a fight and it's, it's not being promoted or the fight's being promoted, but, only my opponent is being promoted. Well, then how? Yes, I might be marketable, but I'm not. I'm not getting. I'm not getting any marketing push behind me. So it it makes me feel. It makes me second guess myself. You know, like well, maybe I am ugly. Maybe the UFC doesn't think I'm beautiful because they're pushing all these other people who actually aren't even. You know, they put people in the, t- well, you said that's not, that's not the UFC. So, but I, I just, so many people are getting so much love and, and it's the same people over and over again. And you so feel a little left, you feel left out of that. Yeah, of course. And, and again, I'm speaking for a lot of fighters and I don't even think it just has to be about how marketable you are. There's so every fighter has a different, you know, a different story, different personalities, different things to bring to the table. That's what makes. You know, MMA is so interesting is there's just all different personalities, all different characters. I'm not saying I need to be marketed for my looks. I'm just sure. saying I would like to be put out there a little bit more and, and let the fans see what I'm all about. I don't, it doesn't have to be about my looks, you know, it's well, about my personality. I, and your ability. I mean, your six losses have all been decisions. Um, so, you know, you, 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 even when you lose, you still, it's always a good fight. It's always a tough fight. Uh, and you wouldn't at the end of the fight, you didn't want to mention who you wanted next because you said like, hey, whatever I say, whoever I want, they don't give them to me. So I thought what you should have done is say someone you don't want and then just try to use reverse psychology to get who you do. <laughs> but I, I do think that you should say who you want because even though maybe that hasn't worked in the past, that is part of what builds interest. And again, it's the vocal fighters. Again, in this age of social media where everybody's moving and everything is fast and there's so many fighters and there's a lot of good fighters and there's a lot of vocal... Derek Lewis... I mean, you know, who wasn't entertained by Derek Lewis just trashing Travis? You know, it's a, people like that. So there's got to be somebody you're looking at who you go, this person mm. I think I could beat and would also be good to push me up closer uh, to eventually getting in J-Chick. Are you asking me? I am, yes. <laughs> yes. Everyone knows. There's no secret I want to fight Paige Van Zandt. She's my only loss in the UFC. That's the fight that I ended up seeking medical help for because I physically couldn't move in that fight. If you look at my last three performances... To that fight, you can, it's clear cut. You can say, there is something wrong with that girl. She, what is, she, I could not move. And that was the only time that's ever happened to me in a fight. Like, I just had like this huge adrenaline dump. I, I physically couldn't move. And then all, you know, I did all these labs, all these tests. You know, my, my cortisol levels were like non existent. I've burned through all my cortisol levels, you know, throughout, you know, 
my fight career, my DHEA was off. I wasn't producing enough melatonin to get a good night's sleep. So no matter how much sleep I got, I was never rested. I had bacterial parasites like in my intestines. Like there was so much going on in my body. And it's a blessing in disguise. Wait, wait, wait. So the app, how did you get all that fixed? Because you're describing my life. Yeah. I I don't sleep. I'm always tired. All of it. Yeah, it sounds like college for me. I I caught that from a girl once. (laughs) My doctor is actually a naturopath. So he built me. um, It took a year to build my levels back up. Okay. But he just regimented things out for me to do to to build my body back up. It was like a custom, you know, it was customized for me and it would change a lot too. Sure. Um, so I, I took the year off. I came back super, super strong. Um, and I, and that's actually, I, I don't like to make excuses for losses. That's the only one because I know that wasn't me in there. So I would like that fight to happen again. And I would like Paige Van Zandt to get to fight the real police Harry and see what happens. And then that's and again, obviously, it's a grudge match because you want to, you know, you want to, you want to avenge something. But you know, you're 13 and she's 12. I mean, if if you want to move up, and again, she's a big name. But if you want to move up closer to again getting a championship fight, don't you want to jump a little higher than somebody who's just one fight well, above you? That's, that's the only one that has been popping out in my mind, and I reevaluate who I want to fight after every fight. You know, there's a couple other girls, but at the same time. How fast do I need to jump? You know, um, I it's something that I have to talk about with my coaches because you jump up too soon and then and then where does that put you? You're fighting all like all your fights are are the toughest fights, the toughest fights. You know, I'm I'm fine just building my way up. I'm not in any you know working my way up. I'm not in a super big hurry. Okay, I was only going on, on because a minute ago you had said that you were. You know, you've been around for a long time, and you've had a lot of fights. And I thought maybe, okay, she wants to get a couple closer to the. Yeah, to yeah the you're, you're. I gotta be honest with you. I'm listening to you. I almost. I'm. I'm. I think. I think we're hitting the nail on the head here. You're too fucking nice. You're a nice person. You need to be a bad person in order to <laughs> really go up the the way the UFC wants you to. Okay, this is Hollywood now. This is WME. You need to go out. You need to start calling girls out. You need to talk about their families. You need to make it personal. You need to tell their <laughs> secrets. You need to you need to let people know if they're cheating on their boyfriends. Or, That's how you're going to get moved the needle. It's just hard because you can't, you can't be somebody that you're not. I'm not a mean, spiteful person out, you know, in real life. So for me to do something like that, I think it it, it will come across it across as just fake. If I really have a gri- a gripe with somebody, then I will say that. But if I don't, then it's almost like selling yourself out. You know, I'm not going to be somebody that I'm not. What, just, what, just to sell fights, right? No, what I was picking up on was it was not that you have to be mean. I, I was thinking more like when you were talking about you saying they're all going to be very tough fights. You can move up too fast. But, I mean, that to me, and, and again, I don't know you, but that could be a confidence issue too because you've been around for a while. you fought some tough fighters. You know, you, you've gone to decision with even your losses. I, I, that, that, they're all going to be tough fights. I mean, you can't get up into the top 10 or any of these fighters. But, you know, it's like, you know, who's an easy fight? Claudia Gadala or, uh, you know, Carolina K- Kovalkiewicz or, or, or Nami Yunus? I mean, there's no easy fights up there. So it's almost like... I think like- I'm speaking more for, like, I need to renegotiate my contract first. If I'm going to be fighting those, top, like, the, the top, top girls, then I need to renegotiate my contract first. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, it's still me put, and I'm one fight away from renegotiating, renegotiating it again. You know, so there's a lot 
that goes into it. You know, you guys know it's a business as well. Sure. Um, and, and then, you know, because if you do go and you fight, you know, the number two, number three ranked girl, and then you lose, then it's almost like, okay, well, then where does that put you? They can't put you with, you know, you can't, you can't build back up again because you're still in the mix. Well, that's why I'm asking, and again, again, I'm, I'm asking only just from hearing you and not knowing you personally, if, if it's a confidence issue, just because to move up, you know, it was like when Cody Garbrandt was coming up, I mean, he was just, he was just calling out everybody. The guy, Mickey Gall, just calling out everybody. You know, it's, it's like a part of it is that you just got to jump in there um, and, and do it because there's so many fighters who want that shot. Yeah, and even forgetting being an asshole, but like, you know, after the fight, you know, if anybody who's done sales, right, you're not going to close the deal if you don't ask for the sale, right? So if you don't literally say, I want this, I almost feel like, you know, you're almost giving, you're, you're leaving it up to chance who they're going to put you up against. I almost feel like it should be a rule. If I was managing a fighter, I would say, dude, it's a rule. Have your next opponent picked out, call him out in the cage as just a baseline rule. But I also don't necessarily, there's so many opponents that I would like to fight. So it's, it kind of comes down to who do I really want to fight? Who do I want to fight that bad? I don't. Plus don't forget, please. If they say no and don't give it to you, then the fighter refusing the fight is also the story. You know, the story gets further because you're talking about marketing yourself and promoting yourself. Like, say you call out whoever it is you call out. You're not even nasty. Just say, that's who I want to fight. I mean, there's really no nice way to call somebody out. You're still saying, I think I could beat that person. If they say no, well, then the story is continued. So it's a way to kind of do some of your own promotion that's organic and not fake at all. Well, that's what's gone down with the whole Paige Van Zant thing over, you know, the past two years. Um but I also, you know, I, I keep climbing the ranks and then, you know, I have my eyes set on other people. I, it, it's, you know, with Michelle, I've, I've wanted to fight Michelle Waterson and Paige Van Zandt. You know, Michelle Waterson's ranked number seven, but then she's coming off of a loss. So it's, it, you know, a lot of the girls that I would like to fight are coming off losses. So, you know, the UFC comes back to me and they're like, well, that fight doesn't make sense because you're coming off a win and you're coming off of a loss. Um, and, you know, honestly, I don't really think Sean Shelby likes me that much. <laughs> Oh. oh shit! Well, I don't. You're a nice person. I don't. I don't know if that's. I don't know Sean, but I mean, I can't see why he wouldn't. I mean, you seem like a lovely person. Uh, were you surprised at how uh, how ferocious uh, Justine was? I mean, you literally you had her on her back. You had both hooks in. Twenty five seconds into the fight, uh, she was a really, really. And, and and Dominic Cruz was talking about just how she was just kind of bucking out with pure adrenaline and strength. And uh, you had you really had a dominating position through most of that fight. Uh, in the majority of the first round, you were in total control. Uh, you had her banged up pretty early and bruised up. Um, first of all, were you surprised at how she was able to get out of all those? And, and were you surprised at her ability and her willingness just to walk through your punches? Not walk through like she didn't get affected by them, but I mean like she just had, had like that Jake LaMotta thing of just coming forward, coming forward, coming forward. No, I, I was 100% prepared for this style of fight. I knew Justine is pure brute and strength and I knew she was going to be strong but I also knew that like that's all she was going to be if you watch her she doesn't she doesn't have the ability to adapt she's going to she sees red she sees blood she's just going to come forward she doesn't care she doesn't care if she gets hit she has no defense and I knew that's what was going to happen she's just she's not a technical or really that skilled of a fighter she's just strong and tough and I knew that I was going to get the same Justine Kitsch that she was in her last fight and the fight before that and the fight before that and the fight before that. And she's not evolving. Yeah, I want to say it was in the third. You, 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 were, uh, you were on her back. You had a choke sunk in really deep. 
Uh, you went down. You were on her back, and then you went down on the mat, and then uh, she was able to break out of that. Like that to me, that was that was that was actually some of the criticism used against the stoppage in the main event uh, was because it looked like she was about to go out, and she wound up turning out of it. Right. Um, I'm I'm very shocked that she got out of it, but at the same time, like I knew she was just the, her. I knew her whole defense on the ground was just buck, 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 and it's it's hard. Like even when your hips are dead, like you have to. You have to make slight movements, otherwise you're going to end up, you know, on your back or, um, you know, you, you can't keep your legs locked in when they're when they're turning. Um, so, yeah, she got out of it. It sucks because I really wanted to. <laughs> I really wanted to finish. Yeah, sure. But I didn't get it. Um, but so it just it just made for a really good, exciting fight. You were so, great, though. It was a, it was a, it was a tremendous fight, and uh, you know, she was very very tough. But you you dominated that fight. Uh, you know, you're pretty, pretty uh, uh, impressively. Uh, but what about? Obviously, we have to ask you. There was that whole thing where she had uh, she had a little accident, which does happen from time to time. Yeah. I mean, Tim Sylvia, Yoel Romero, yeah, it's happened. It does happen. Were you aware that it was happening uh, uh, in, in that moment? Um, you know, not in the exact moment. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's hard for me to talk about because it's. You know, I'm too nice, but... Well, that's not I, even a bad thing. It's, it, it did happen, and it, it is something yeah. that they've actually put in the rules. The fighter that does that is automatically, I believe, loses the fight. It's, well, they're going to vote on that. Oh they, oh, they haven't done it, but... That's one of the things that were coming oh. up. Okay. Uh, so so oh. how did you notice it, or, or what were your feelings on it? Because it, it does happen. It's not like it's the first time. Um, I mean, I, I smelled it a little bit. Oh. Um, when I stood up, I it was on my foot. Okay. So... I really noticed it toward, you know, at the end, but try not to make a big deal out of it. I mean, everybody, of course, people are. I mean, and it's, you know, it happens. So people, you're going to talk about it because it happened. But, um, you know, I hope Justine's doing okay with it because, um, you know, unfortunately, that's what people are really taking away from the fight. And um, I just, I know she made a joke about it, but it's. What did she say? I didn't hear her joke. She tweeted. Oh, she, she oh. Spoke on Twitter. She said, "I'm a warrior. I will never quit." Shit happens. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, and that's it, what you got to do. You got to own it. Own it. She fucking nailed it, yeah. dude. Justin Kish. Yeah. She yeah. instead of the other guys all denied it. Tim Sylvia denied it. Yoel Romero denied it. They look like pussies. Just own it. It's kind of funny. Everyone has been drunk at a party when they were in college and shit their pants. Everyone's got that I story. I haven't, but I've gotten it on my foot, <laughs> yes. so I do understand that. But you also paid two hundred dollars for that, so. <laughs> Um, but the truth is if you own it, it disappears and that's what she did. And that's why everyone's going, all right, move on. Plus you're getting choked. I don't think anybody looks down on a fighter. If you were boxing and that happened, but literally from getting choked, what that does to your body, the struggle to break out of a choke. I don't think anybody looks down on that. Like it's funny in the moment, but I, I, we all look at that and go, yeah, that that happens when someone is strangling you. But anyway, I I thought you fought a a great fight. And just one more question for you. Uh, Angela Magana had that, uh, problem with cyborg um do you have any thoughts on that you you guys spend time uh you know together in the house together i said together twice sorry um (laughs) you know i think that angela's approach like right angela should not i i don't understand why she goes and she attacks people who don't like they don't have any beef you know in real life cyborg is a really nice person actually so I don't know why she has to go on, you know, social media and attack and attack her look. That's the thing with cyberbullying is you think that there's no repercussions and that you're never going to see this person face to face. And 
Good for Cyborg for hitting her. That's what a lot of fighters have been saying, too, because fighters handle yeah. things differently than comedians do. But that's what a lot of fighters have been saying. Hey, you're going to have to bump into that person. Basically, that's how I wish I could handle things, is just to punch the person in the face. <laughs> but when you, when, you, when you spent time around her, was, did you see any of that in her? Was there any of that behavior? Uh, oh, in, yeah. You did. Even before the show, she's notorious for, like, how many times does a fighter break their back? Really? She's, like, pulled out of fights, like, three... Time. I was supposed to fight her. She was calling me out, and I was like, all right, let's fight. And she's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll you know, talking about how her striking is better than mine. I'm like, okay, then I'll, we'll set up, this is before the UFC. I'm like, we'll set up a boxing match. We'll set up a kickboxing match. I'm like, I don't give a shit how I beat you. I'll beat you any way you want me to beat you. And then she comes back, and she's like, she asked the promoter, and this like on a small show, she asked him for like $50,000. And she's always like threatening to sue people. She's like, oh, my lawyer, my lawyer. She's kind of like, I don't know. She just seems like a compulsive liar, but she really believes her lies. She's talking about how I was in a car accident and I broke my back. Look, here's the picture of the car accident. Look, here's a picture of me in the hospital. You break your back three times, you're dead. <laughs> you're, you're, you're paraplegic. You're not moving again. You're not, you're not walking. You're not going to be fighting. Oh, so you don't believe her. Yeah, maybe she's just that tough. It's possible. No, she's not. <laughs> okay. Oh, so she's you don't buy it. <laughs> really? She if severs her spine. So you think Cyborg hitting her was a mistake then? Because if she's, if she's a litigious person, then that's the wrong person to punch. Religious? No, no, no. no litigious. Lit- litigious. Like, likes to sue. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, she doesn't like, she threatens to sue. Like, like where do you get this money for these top of, you know, these top-notch lawyers? She just, she just likes to say things. I don't, I don't know what's going on in her head. She's, Definitely crazy. See, okay. I'm not that nice of a person. Yeah. <laughs> you are. It was, you know, he's got to not like the person in order to get her worked up. That's yeah, it. that's a good point. Yeah, you, you, you're not good at faking it. Like if you don't yeah. like somebody, <laughs> you, you feel uh, compelled <laughs> to say it. But if you if you do like them, it's hard for you to pretend you don't. Cyborg pl- pled not guilty yesterday. By the way, I mean it's on video. That was probably a poor plead. Um, did she? Re- oh, she's oh she's going to court. She pled not guilty. Yeah, she's going to court. She was arrested for it. I oh, okay. Oh yeah. Oh, not guilty. Well, I mean, she was guilty, but <laughs> maybe she is a good lawyer. I don't know. Not guilty on what grounds? I don't know. Maybe she's saying she didn't hit her. For sidewalk, there should be repercussions too. You can't just go around hitting people. Yeah, you know? especially when you outweigh them by thirty pounds. Uh, you know, yeah. e- either way, even though I think what the woman was saying about it was shitty and, and it was you know rotten. You got to handle that stuff without punching somebody in the face. Because there's really literally no legal ground to they bash me on Tinder or Twitter or whatever. Well, you know what? This is why I think a lot of people felt that way with Angela because she knew she was never going to be able to fight Cyborg. She knew she would never have to. She's a lot smaller. She knows she's never going to have to deal with the repercussions. So what it was is like that little pussy behind his window that talks shit to you while you're outside. (laughs) Yeah. Because they know you can't do anything. And she still was trying to get the accolades for talking shit to Cyborg. So everyone goes... Goes, you know what? No, fuck you. You deserve to get punched. <laughs> and even from a legal standpoint, I grew up 35 years old. I grew up in the suburbs. If I had a problem with one of my friends when we were teenagers, we'd just punch each other in the face and then we'd go and hang out afterwards. That's the way we dealt with it. Yeah. Well, I think it's acceptable for MMA fighters too. It's like, okay, you're an MMA fighter. You're talking shit about me. I'm another MMA fighter. What, you're going to sue me for punching you in the face? What? A, again, that furthers like what a pussy you are. Well, it depends on who I you are. I think it's acceptable to to fight other fighters, you know? Well, yeah, it depends on who's hitting who. You know, you know, if, if Demetrius yeah. Johnson is, you know, talking shit about Cormier and he punches him, I'm like, oh, that's a big, 
That's a big jump down, but you know, if, it's, if the fighter's <laughs> close in weight, I kind of see. Well, you're really honest and fun to talk to. I, we appreciate all the time today, Felice. Uh, anytime, we'd love to talk yep. to you again. Uh, it's always refreshing when someone is just uh, free to discuss anything. So thank you for being so uh, open. Very cool. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You guys are awesome. We look forward to watching you fight again. And uh, that last fight, okay. congratulations. You were, you were tremendous. Awesome. Thank you. All right, take care, Felice. Bye. Be good. Number 13, uh, woman strawweight... Uh, Contender, yeah, and she'll probably be moving up the new rankings. Yeah, oh, they she's have okay, fucking crazy. She's so hot, she is, and, and that I'm, is she's like, in my opinion, the hottest female fighter. And I'm trying to like not be an asshole and go, like, there's a part of marketability, though. But I, I also think that they that she's uh, I do think it's a confidence issue a little bit because when you're saying things like, well, these are tougher fights, like, yeah, but you, you, you're not going to get to uh, Ioana and Jacek without going through either Rose or Claudia, you're just not. It's right, just, you want to be ready for Ioana when you get I, there, which I get that, but right, but you're going to have to, you, you know. You need to just, uh, dude, it's, uh, I'm listening to it, and it's it's because I like Felice and I'm a fan of Felice, but as she's talking, I'm going like, I'm listening to your problem. It's yeah. the way you're presenting yourself. You're presenting yourself as if you're not good enough, as if you're not pretty enough. You're not saying, I will kill anybody that they put in front sure. of me. If, you're not, if you don't want to call somebody out in particular, you have to go, Boom! I want to fight the top five at the same time right now. I don't give a fuck. Line them up. Anybody? Somebody in the top five. Anybody? Sure. I don't give a shit. Put them here right now. I'll fight them. I'll fight my own mom. I want the title shot. You need people need to feel that type of urgency, and then they go, "Oh, I want to see that person fight." And if you're the person that's just a nice guy, even GSP, who's a nice guy who wasn't a shit talker, do you remember the moment that still gives me goosebumps to this day, where he asked Dana White for the title shot? He got it on his hands and knees yeah. and said, "Please, Dana White, please, I want the title shot." And it's this moment where you're like, it's this memorable moment where you're like. He asked for what he fucking wanted and he created his own destiny. Right. And the guys that sit there and go, just put whoever in front of me, those guys aren't, those guys are almost never being pushed. And they're also not giving, at time, they're not giving the UFC what they need, which is kind of a, a, a bit of a momentum to start. Like, I just, the story gets yes. pushed. They always say a lot of times when there's a problem, like if you get bad press, you're, if you say anything, it furthers the story, denies it. Okay, so and so has denied it. It's a the story is yes, but if there's no comment, refuse comment. It, it's much harder to further it because that's just a flat line, mm. no comment. It was like right. Louis when uh, or not uh, no Seinfeld when he had Louis Black on comedians in the cars getting coffee. Remember and he he tweeted out Black's life matter or Black's life matters. And he got a bunch of shit for it. And instead of going, oh, I apologize, it was insensitive. He said, oh, he didn't delete the tweet, he didn't do anything. He just ignored it. And in a, in a half a day, everyone had moved on to the next thing because they need that volley. People need the volley. Unless you've done something so egregious that in, in the public eye that where people are not going to feel... Like when O'Reilly... Like using the word egregious in a real conversation? Um, I, I say it all the time. Do you know how many times I've gotten laid using egregious? I hope you get hit by a bus today. Yeah, but that would be a, a very egregious action by the bus driver. <laughs> oh, my, Lois, I'm going to use it a lot. <laughs> but uh, when you look at like someone like Bill O'Reilly, which again, that's a very extreme example, but a guy who has such... You know, whether it was all these uh, allegations of sexuals, like uh, harassment, they're not going to let that go. Yeah, like no. he tried the whole note, like let it go. It didn't matter. They they were gunning for it. So if it's something extreme, you're not going. But if it's just something dumb you say or whatever, that's a way to stop the stories by no comment. So sometimes when these fighters say, ah, whoever, that's the equivalent of a no comment. Yeah. And you're not meaning it to be. These are not pussies. They're just like, hey, I'm a fighter. I'll fight anybody. But you got to sometimes give them a little bit to go on. 
because that is the equivalent without meaning it to be of, of it's, an, it's an momentum. You're absolutely right about that. You almost have to like you have to just kick the fucking you a know, little bit, kick sure. the cart and let it just start to push a little bit, and then the momentum will build itself. You know, but you know, it's 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 crazy to me to hear her talk that way. And it's so funny when you talk to fighters; they are so human because we watch them on TV and you speak to them, and they're just human beings. I was thinking about when she was talking about how she felt bad for Justine Kish. Sure. It's like it's so much worse for a woman to shit herself. Like it's so much. It worse. probably is, yeah. Yeah, they're just they they're they're emotional creatures. They they have these insecurities. Being, you know, the way that we put women, you know, physically on a different level, we kind of look at them first physically before anything else. That has to fuck with her in her head. And the fact that Justine handled it that way was very like it, it was surprising and it was very mature on her end. I also think though the women the the one advantage they have to that is they're not they don't they're not driven by machismo like we are. Right. We like men are. Uh, I should say like they are. Jim Norton driven by machismo. Yeah, exactly. He's a guy who drives me around. My, my Uber driver. <laughs> machismo. But like, Ortiz. You, like you said, those guys denied it because it's embarrassing. Yeah. But a woman can go like, yeah, I was getting choked. I, it's almost like for them, it might be less devastating right. because they yeah. own it and move forward. It's not a test of who they are. Dominic Cruz said that. I, I forget. I think it might have been on Joe Rogan's podcast, but he was saying at first when, when women were coming into the gym, he wasn't sure how it was going to work out, whatever. And now he, he views them as the best students because there isn't ego there. He can just say, hey, you're doing that wrong. They'll adjust it. And that's it. It's not that, that battle, you know? And, uh, you know, one thing I, I want to talk about is, uh, you know, we talk about wine on this program once in a while. When you have a great glass of wine, it, it enhances the moment. And I know this because I have women come over and a lot of them are wine drinkers. So I always have to have a good wine there. They, Jim dates winos. I date wine. Yes, I, I drag them from outside. I'm like, come on in. <laughs> but no, they, they, you say to somebody, what do you want? A lot of times a glass of wine is what they want. Uh, you know, whether they're reflecting on the day with someone you love, whatever it is. Wink understands this. It's why they started this company, uh, to give you access to exceptional wines from around the world so you can have more of these nice moments. Just go to T-R-Y-W-I-N-C.com. You take a brief palate profile quiz, and Wink will recommend distinct and interesting wines actually customized to your palate to be shipped directly to your door every month. It's really kind of a hands-off, easy. It's the lazy person's way to do it, and it's great because you're busy. You don't always have time. You're rushing to a date. You suck. You're going to be late again. You're, you're on your way to your boss. Whatever. It's just easier to have it and leave the house with it. None of your time is wasted trying to, you know, trying to run into the store. Uh, again, like while you're running late. No more time spent guessing at uh, you know what you might like. Is this good? Is that not good? Take the little... Uh, yeah, we all act like we know. Yeah, you don't know. You, you don't know what know. fucking tannins are, you take, idiot. Take the palate test. <laughs> What do they call it? <laughs> yeah, the profile, the palate profile, palette profile quiz. quiz, the palate test. I said it like a stupid man, but a lot of you are not bright, so it's okay. <laughs> I'm a stupid man representing stupid people. But the important thing is, Wink bases the wines they send you on your taste and preferences. Uh, Wink will even introduce you to new, rare, and custom wines that are not available anywhere else, and tell you the story behind each one. You join for, uh, you know, there's no charge to join. You skip any month, you can cancel any time. They have a 100% uh, satisfaction guarantee, so you never have to pay for a bottle you don't like. Because that's the, the catch. What if I don't like the, the wine that Wink sends me? Well, then you don't have to pay for it. That's it. Right now, Wink is offering listeners $20 off your first order. Go to trywink.com slash UFC. T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com slash UFC. They're even going to cover the cost of shipping. That's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com slash UFC. 20 bucks off your first order now, plus complimentary shipping. Trywink.com slash UFC. 
I, I just pause like the show's over. It's not. We have uh, Justine. Uh, Justine. Justine. I'm sorry, Justine. Kitch. Uh, Justin Gaethje is calling in. He's. Uh, are they the co-main or are they the main on that fight? Uh, That's the Ultimate Fighter finale. They are the main event of it that is. card. Okay. Yeah. And he's making his debut. Yes, and Michael Johnson was on the show uh, a couple of days ago. This he's 17 and 0. Uh, Justin Gaethje, Gaethje is. is yeah. yeah. And uh, so this is his first UFC fight. 17 and 0. Going against a very tough. I think uh, uh, um, Johnson has lost three out of four. Is that correct? Yeah, which is it. You don't view him that way. You know, but, it's like. It, oh, sorry, Chris. Th- no, that, no. That, that that Khabib loss. Yeah. He, when Khabib comes out and goes, he was tough. Like when you see a guy lose that type of fight against a fire a fighter like Khabib, he it, it, that's not like a devastating thing on your record. Like you no. lost an extremely right. tough fight, which uh, you know, a lot of people thought. You know, by the earlier the second round or the end. Of the, he was finished, and uh, I think it was t- towards the middle of the end of the, the uh, third round that he finally right. tapped. Right. Well, he did. He had a good first. He did. He was striking two minutes, well, let's yeah. say, in the first. You know, the first round, and then Khabib. Well, it's just what you, you know. Um, what Felice was talking about, which is like, yeah, if you're going to fight the top four or five guys at the division at lightweight, you know, that's it. it, it there's no easy, no easy, there's fight. no easy fight. You're, it looks really bad when you go, oh shit, he's one and three in his last four fights. But then you see he lost to Nate, he lost to Habib, and then he lost to Darius, who's also like another like under the radar dude that people you know don't really know about. But he lost a, a close split decision to him. Um, who's he's just a monster. Yeah. So Michael Johnson, he's almost like weirdly kind of got pushed into like a gatekeeper position, which in my opinion, the fact that they're putting Gaethje against him means that they're trying to give Justin Gaethje a big push. You know, World Series of fighting champion, undefeated. They love that. And it kind of almost makes you feel bad for Michael Johnson because it just felt like it was just yesterday. He was right there in the spotlight as the dude they were trying to push. But yeah, but, that, but now, but it's also a show of respect when this is a guy you have to get through. It was almost like uh, who had a really fir- a tougher. I'm not thinking of CM against um, uh, CM Punk against fucking. Uh, oh my Mickey god, Mickey Gall, Jesus. Uh, I'm trying <laughs> to think who just had their first fight recently against a really really tough fight. I'm like, oof, what a rough entrance into the UFC that is. I don't remember. I, I'll have to remember who the fighter is, but I remember thinking that while I was watching. So I basically just said that for no reason. Just a bunch of words <laughs> fell out of my mouth because I didn't follow it up with anything. Uh, but we're talking about uh, uh, Khabib. He said that uh, he addressed the uh, the oct- oct- octagon return. He said, uh, I'm being treated in a medical facility. And uh, fucking Tony Ferguson, who is very entertaining, said, uh, I-, I think he said, you need Jenny Craig. You need a dietitian, my friend. Uh, you say we have unfinished business. I showed up, made weight. You chickened out. Uh, he said, actually, you're not my friend. I don't like you at all. You don't even come close to it, you and your fuzzy hat. But he's just talking <laughs> shit to keep that going. And I think he said, I will be ready. Until then, have fun making that weight cut. Look at this. Only two decisions by Justin Gaethje. All stoppages. 15 yeah. stoppages. Wow. But again, I, I, Melvin, he fought uh, Melvin Yard, I, I know, and, right. and he beat him. I want to say that was a decision. But, uh, you know. Split. Okay. He was split to... But has he? Fought? I mean, they're all good fighters, but there's a different level of fighter. Yeah. A lot of times, you have seen a lot of people come in and they oh, do yeah. well. But it's it, also it's a big it, Strike Force was the biggest. Like uh, when when they first purchased Strike Force, then they they put all they pulled all those guys in. It, it was so strange because some guys just fucking killed it, and then some guys completely shit the bed. Right, and it's it's a weird thing because the competition 
um, is a lot higher in the UFC, but also the level of motivation, the level of training. I mean, dude, it's, it's like, imagine you just do some shit club on the road and now you're doing Carnegie Hall. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So the way you're mentally going into that gig is a much different thing. So it, you don't really know. It's not even like, oh, well, he hasn't fought anybody. It is such a huge question mark because we don't even know the, the best Justin Gaethje yet because we haven't right. seen him with the UFC contract, the, the best training partners in the world. You know, having the, the spotlight, the push, the money, all that other stuff it's a huge difference it's Nick Diaz talked about it when he fought George St. Pierre he was like look he was like GSP can bring in the best training partners in the world he can go spend $100,000 on gymnastics he can do all this other shit other fighters don't have that those same abilities because GSP has a ton of money and a ton of resources so it's a big question mark right now and I think you're right about that we have no idea how good he's going to be oh, sorry sorry I have to piss before you make that call Oh, okay. Can we get a break? I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, no, no, but please. we have to take a break. I have to pause it. I saw him pick up the phone. Yeah. All right, so we'll take a break and then we'll call Justin Gates. Yeah, sorry, man. I just I saw you starting a point. I saw Don't him pick up the phone. I'm like, oh, boy, the kid all. has to whiz. This is UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and Matt Serra. Support for UFC Unfiltered comes from our good friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. Obviously, that's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. And it's such an intimidating process for all of us. Look, this is really simple. Allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash unfiltered. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLS. Consumeraccess.org. Number 3030. All right. Uh, we're going to get Justin Gaethje on the phone. He's fighting Friday, July the 7th from Vegas. The Ultimate Fighter finale. That's a really good card. Michael Johnson against Gaethje. And of course, uh, Diego Lima is fighting the Ultimate Fighter 25 finalist, which uh, is James Krause against Jesse Taylor. Who had something with their eye? Uh, James it is, Krause. It is James, okay. Yeah, so we'll see. He's supposed to fight Taylor next week on the show, but we'll we'll see. I'm not sure if he is going to fight or not. Yeah, uh, Mark DeCasey against uh, Drakkar Kloza, and uh, Jared Cannonier against Steve Bossy, Brad Tavares against Elias Theodoro, and Jordan Johnson against Marcel Fortuna. So that's a really, really good card um, with these guys in the main event. Do you watch the Ultimate Fighter anymore? I do, but I, I get the advanced ones. But I didn't. I, I'm not totally caught up on this, and I'm going back and starting from the beginning again. I've seen so many of them, and I would just catch them and catch half of them. Oh, oh hello, is this uh, Justin? Do we have you? Yes, sir. Hey, buddy, what are you doing? I just had some strength and conditioning. Oh, okay. You still, uh, you still, uh, you still in the gym? So, uh, how, how are you feeling, man, about this fight against uh, Michael Johnson? Oh man, I'm so excited to put my skills, uh, you know, on the platform that I got right now. So. My preparation has been key. I have been working towards this for a long time, so I'm excited that the UFC is giving me this opportunity, you know, give me the respect that I feel I deserve and earn, so it's fantastic. What was it that finally got you, know, because you're 17-0, and 0, so what was it that actually got you this final step, which is in the UFC? Oh, man, I was getting, uh, you know, I was getting great. World Series provided me a uh, huge, you know, biggest platform I had to the point, and they were paying me great money. Uh, so... You know, and I was under under a contract, so I never even 
got to talk to any other company until I was a free agent, which was at 17 and 0. How hard was it to give up the World Series of Fighting uh, Championship title? Was that something that you really had to like be like, shit, dude, I got to give this up to Yeah, go. tough decision? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I, honestly, all I had left was rematches, and uh, I like fresh meat, so I was over, I was a little over it. I was starting to get over it. You know, it's, it's hard to, to stay uh, motivated whenever, you know, you only got rematches, and, you know, that's all I had. So, yeah, I mean, I was, I'm ready, you know, when I was 13-0, 14-0, I wasn't ready for this stage, but, you know, not... I, and when I was 17, no, I, I, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready for this, uh, you know, every physically, mentally, all of it. And what are you expecting competition-wise in the UFC? Because, again, there's, there's tough fighters uh, in every one of these companies. There's, you know, none of them are soft fighters. But, you know, there is a different level. I mean, you're coming in in your first fights against the number five uh, lightweight. So how are you feeling about, uh, you know, the, the, the competition level changing here? I'm pumped, man. I mean... As a competitor, it's, it's something that you you know you dream about. Um, I you know I want all the glory in the world, and without I can't not have that without fighting the best in the world. Uh, I can't keep saying I'm the best in the world without putting myself in the situation to fight the best in the world. You know I sound like a coward when I was saying that. Now I can say I feel like I'm the, you know I know I'm the best in the world, and I know uh, you know it's just a fight. It doesn't matter. You know once once you get in there, it's you, your opponent, and a referee. Uh, the skill set's a little different. But it's not much different from fighting on, you know, on for World Series of Fighting or whatever. Stupid, it's crazy argument for like even Johnson saying I'm a C League fighter. You know, he's gonna look stupid whenever I go in there and break him. Now, yeah, you you fought Melvin Gillard. Um, I don't know how many other guys that you fought that came from the UFC. Did you notice any sort of, uh, any any difference between the guys who have fought in the UFC, maybe that you fought <laughs> after the fact, or or do you notice maybe the guys that are hungrier and coming up that are maybe not past that moment fought even harder? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, a lot, I, I feel like a lot of fighters, once they get to the UFC, they feel like they've made it and they kind of, you know, take their foot off the pedal for some reason, um, you know, here and there. But, you know, I fought Brian Foster. He had, some, he had some good wins in the UFC. I finished him with leg kicks in a minute and, like, 30 seconds. So, uh, no, it's, it doesn't matter. Um, once you get in there, you just got, I just got to land my punches. I punch hard. I kick hard. So, it doesn't matter what level you're at, that shit hurts. Is there a level of pride <laughs> with like uh, with finishing somebody with leg kicks? Is that something that you're like, dude, that doesn't happen too often? That has to be a great feeling. You have to be like, dude, like I, nobody does that. I just kicked the shit out of this guy's legs until he was done. Yeah, I was the fight, He really put a lot of weight on his. It's all timing, you know. I kicked him at the perfect time, right when he had all his weight on his front leg, and he was pretty much straight legs. So yeah, I mean. His technique was not not good for taking low kicks. And I said, "Well, yeah, I got there. Yeah, I got three three finishes with low kicks, and pretty much all of my fights it plays a factor. It will play a factor in this fight. Um, you know, it it hurts so bad. People, you just can't understand how bad it hurts uh, until you get kicked. In the, you know, and then my pressure, my pressure alone. Uh, people can't breathe. They can't think. You know, they get frustrated. So, um, you know, I'm bringing something a little different to the UFC. I'm not going to talk a lot of shit, but." I'm going to go in there and I'm, you know, life or death every time for me. You feel like you belong with the higher level of competition and you're not intimidated by this. You feel like this is where you belong. Oh, fuck man. I'm so excited for this. Um, you know, I've been working since I was four years old towards this. Uh, nobody's worked longer, harder than me. No, no opponent I'm going to face right now. Um, you know, since I was four years old, I've never, never took one year off wrestling. And um, so I'm, I'm so ready for this. Uh, I've wrestled at the NCAA National Tournament three times. I played seventh one time. So, I mean, there's 20,000 people in the stands at all times. So, 
I've been walking onto the mat to face, uh, you know, one-on-one, uh, one guy trying to beat me since I was four years old. So uh, there's, there's nothing, uh, nothing else I'm ready for than this. Okay. Now, with my, I mean, I really feel like the UFC has given you a little bit of a push. Your first fight in the UFC, your uh, main event, you're fighting Michael Johnson, who, I mean, you know, the the guys that he lost to recently are both two guys that have fought, or uh, one guy that should be fighting for the title, one guy that just fought for the title. Um, do you feel as if the UFC is looking, is kind of banking on you to win this fight and is sort of looking to push you? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, especially, uh, you know, with their job, what they have to pay me, you know, they they're throwing me to the wheels, and I love it. They're, you know, they're not going to bring me in and pay me what they're paying me and, uh, you know, give me an easy fight. They're throwing me to the wolves, and that's exactly what I want. Oh, good. And you you train uh, out of Colorado. You train with uh, Rose Namajunas and uh, Nate Marquardt. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on uh, Okay, We love Rose and uh, Pat Barry as well. What are your thoughts of uh, uh, of her as, as a teammate and as a fighter? Oh, she works so hard. Uh, you know, with this, we both got the best coach in the world, Jenna Whitman. Um, he literally molds us uh, into uh, killers. I mean, she has come a lot. I mean, well, all, everybody that works on the show, Matthew Lopez trains with us as well. Uh, you know, just making so many, so many big strides uh, when it comes to training. Uh, yeah, we, Rose is, Rose is, she's, her, her, her mental game is getting, you know, is catching up to her physical abilities, and I, it's going to be scary for the girl she's fighting. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping she gets a title shot. Everyone is saying that she should be next in line for the for the title shot, but no one has said anything. So, have you heard anything? No, I haven't. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know who else. Who else? I mean, that's the only only girl Joanna hasn't beat. She's been kicking everybody's ass. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how it wouldn't be Rose. Yeah, and they already had like a little thing, like a little back and forth, uh, you know, where uh, I think that they shook hands and then Rose said she wants to fight her and Joanna got pissed off. So th- there's a little something there already, which kind of, you know, it's, it's smoldering. Yeah, these girls are crazy, man. <laughs> hey, I, I mean, I, off, off the fighting for a second, you have a twin brother? I do. And what is your twin brother like, and is he a fighter? No, I mean, he, worked, he wrestled with me, you know, growing up, but... Uh, he works in the copper mine back where I'm from, where everybody works. Uh, he's in my corner. He's been in my corner every fight. He'll be in my corner this fight. Uh, never been to one of my training practices, but, you know, he really does help me a lot. Um, you know, one, one of these days I'm going to lose. One of these days I'm going to get knocked down. It'll be nice to wake up and see, a, you know, a familiar face to my brother that, you know, doesn't care one way or another how it goes. Now, were you guys identical twins? No, I are fraternal. I'm, I'm half Mexican. He looks... He looks. He got the Mexican side. It looks like my dad. He's a big red man. Oh, okay. And you're also pursuing a degree in human services, uh, and you want to do social work with some at-risk youth, youth uh, down the road. What kind of pushed you into that area? Uh, you know, I've always just really. Uh, I get a lot of pride out of helping people. Uh, you know, anytime I, anytime I have time, and someone's pulled over on the side of the road, you know, I'll help. You know, I'll stop and help. Stuff like that. Just, I think the, the little things really, uh, I don't know, in life, you know, they really bring me a lot of joy and a lot of pride helping people. So I think uh, working with at-risk youth is, you know, I had great parents. You know, the best parents uh, a kid can ask for. And I have a couple friends that didn't have that. And, uh, you know, some some are just as successful as me and some youth are, you know, couldn't, couldn't get away from that. So, um, I think um, if I can get in there, you know, especially with the platform that I have, if I can become famous, these kids are a little hard-headed nowadays, so if I can get this platform, then I think they'd be a little more apt to listen to me. 
So, you know, you're you're 155 fighting Michael Johnson, huge fight. You know, a lot of people consider Michael Johnson the the quote-unquote gatekeeper of the division. I got to ask you about Conor. I mean, he's the king. He's the king of MMA right now. He's the dude that, you know, is making the most money. He's the guy that's making the most waves crossing over into this crazy fight with Mayweather. How do you see yourself stacking up against him skill-wise? Oh, I mean, skill-wise there's nobody that's gonna, you know, outwork me. Oh, man, you know, he'll all talk to me, that's for damn sure. But uh, he ain't going to outwork me. So, you know, his skill set is, is special. He's got a great left hand, but um, we've seen him quit. You know, he's got quit in his heart. And once a quitter, always a quitter. So uh, when I do get in there, I'm going to, you know, I, I'm going to get that opportunity one of these. I'm going to get the inner bell around my waist, and then when he comes back, he has to fight me. So um, make it a dog fight, make it a war. You know, he's everything he doesn't want it to be. So that's the plan right now is to, to beat Michael Johnson, call out whoever's next in line for the interim because you know Connor's not going to be ready to come back? Absolutely. Uh, like I said, if I get down around my waist, uh, you know, there's, there's no question who he has to fight when he comes back. I mean, well, he can fight whoever the hell he wants to, obviously, but yeah, right. if I have the interim title and I'm finishing people like I know I can, he has to fight me. Well, what are your thoughts about Michael Johnson as an opponent? I mean, again, there's no easy fights in that division, and you're jumping over like uh, you know Kevin Lee, Ally Quinta. There's a lot. I don't mean jumping over. But there's a lot of good fighters that you, you don't have to go through to get to him. So, and they're not giving you an easy one. They're giving you a very tough fight. What are your thoughts on him as an opponent? Well, what, like I said, with Conor, I mean, once a quitter, always a quitter. That man's got 11 losses on his record, and uh, like six or seven of them are decisions. That's six or seven times he got outworked. Um, you know, and that that'll never. That will never be the case in one of my fights. If, when I lose, I'll get knocked out. It won't be because I got outwork or outskill or out, you know, anything, out, anything like that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be strong. See how he likes. Uh, you know, hopefully I can get him in the air and put his face to, you know, put his head to the mat a couple times, and then, you know, I think at first I'll be fighting Michael Johnson, the fighter. And Ten minutes in, I'll be fighting Michael Johnson, the track star. Oh. <laughs> Well, you certainly, uh, I, I can see you're going to be a very entertaining uh, individual as far as just being a great fighter. Uh, Justin Gaethje fighting 17-0, and 0, uh, going in undefeated against Michael Johnson, number five. And that is uh, the main event of the Ultimate Fighter Redemption Finale, Friday, July the 7th at 9 o'clock on FS1. That's going to be a tremendous fight, man. And I uh, would like to talk to you after it's over, too. And uh, really good talking to you. And uh, I, I cannot wait to watch this fight. Absolutely. Thank you guys for the time. All right, buddy. Uh, talk to you soon. Super Super cool, Bye. Really nice guy. And he'll do well because he's a guy, he, he's like, uh, he said about Connors, they say, once a quitter, always a quitter. Like, that's a guy, nobody wants to be called a quitter. Oof. That's awful. Like, yeah. no one wants to hear that yeah. shit. So, uh, I think this guy, as long as he can fight and he can fight, yeah. we'll, we'll, oh, absolutely. As, long as, as long as he's a good fight against I, like, I have a feeling about him. I'm yeah. telling you right now, there's a, there's, um, there's a confidence in the way that he speaks. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, and a, and a deliberateness, and it's not like a, he's not selling anything. He's not he's not thinking about it. He's not coming in going like, oh, this is my game plan, and I need to say this in order to pivot this way and angle this way. He's from the gut, and you could just hear that just like talking to him. And he is as confident as they come. Yeah, he really. You means, talk yeah. to fighters, you could tell they spoke to their manager. Their manager says, "Well, speak this way," yeah. and that's that. He is very much real. Where the advice that you were giving Felice Herrig before. I mean, he's just, that's just the way he thinks. Yeah. His mind goes, boom, all right, well, I got to get the interim title, got to fight that guy, I'm undefeated. Well, of course, I got to pay me this much. Incredible. I loved him. That was that was a really, really fun interview. And you cannot look past Michael Johnson because he, he's, he's a savage fighter. Oh, absolutely. But, but let's just say, again, just for the discussion, let's say, uh, you know, Gaethje wins. Uh, I would love to see him against Edson Barboza. Sure. 
I love any of those guys at the top. I know. I just love Edson Barboza. I just love watching him fight. Yeah, he's a fun fighter. He's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, that was this was fun, man. This was a great episode. Matt. Always missed. I hope his daughters are doing well. Uh, whichever one is that. I think it's a recital. Yeah, it's a dance recital. So, um, you know, Lewis, I appreciate you coming on, man. You're always fun to have of on. Of course, dude. Yeah, literally anytime. time. got to get you back on uh, the Countdown or, or the Believe You Me podcast as well. Yeah. Which um, we would love to get you on. Bisping is obviously a huge fan of yours yeah, as well. So, yeah. <laughs> Very entertaining, man, as well. Uh, and also, uh, I guess when we're back... We'll talk. We did not even talk about. Uh, we'll talk about it the week of Nunez versus uh, Valentina Shevchenko. That's going to be a fucking tremendous fight. Uh, yeah. That whole card, all the way down to the prelims, uh, is good. I mean, this is a tremendous card. So uh, that we can talk about. Yeah, and let me say actually. So there is again just for next week because it's July fourth. It yes. falls on a, a Tuesday. It's only one episode next week. It'll be coming out Thursday, July sixth, and then uh, the seventh and the eighth of the two events. So that should be great. Yoel Romero, Robert Whitaker is the co-main. Yeah, Oof. yeah, that's a great. That's a great card. All right, come on, Whitaker. Yeah, I, I, Whitaker, I want to see. I would like to see. Uh, by the way, you know what? Two things from before. Mayweather. I'll be happy to fill you. In. Go on. <laughs> Mayweather's fought uh, eight southpaws South in his professional career. He's fought some in his right, amateur so 41 career. and eight as far as that. that right. That's a little more than I thought, but that's still not, you know. Um, and were you thinking of, of Marlon Marais making his debut? He lost to uh, Rafael Sunset recently. That was the only one I could come up with. Okay. I don't remember. Right. My memory's gone. I told you I'm getting Hector older. Hector Lombard back in the day lost his debut. Shit the bet against Tim Bosch. They thought he was going to come. What was it, Tim, Tim? Bosch? God damn, was he good against Henderson? Tim was like a, Tim's like a dude who fucking, he kills everyone who they're trying to like push, and then he just fucking, remember he knocked at Yushin Okami with a nasty uppercut. Nobody yeah. saw that happening. Yeah. I want to start talking like in a way that the UFC has to actually call me and tell me to stop. Oh, but that guy punches like nobody's business. <laughs> After two weeks, they'd be like, Jim, it's not working. Jim, you got to change the way you're talking. Yeah. All right, listen, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, have a very safe July 4th. Um, enjoy yourselves, and we will talk to you on that uh, that Thursday. We'll be right before this this uh, Nunez Shevchenko crowd. I'm actually tempted to go out for that. Go for it. Hint. Be great. Do I get free tickets? Uh, That's the question. Yeah. I don't go out for free, I want free tickets. Thank you. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.